Life Audio. I think if we're honest with ourselves, we all have had seasons in our lives where we have maybe thought, is it okay to even pray about this? Or is it okay to be honest with God about how I'm feeling? Because I know it's not probably the right attitude. But the reality is, is God already knows your heart. He knows your thoughts. He knows your mind. And so what we're going to see in Psalm 109 today is that very thing, this ache in the heart and the way that the psalmist takes those things to God. I pray that this episode is a blessing for you. Stay tuned. Hey friends, welcome to the Hearing Jesus Podcast. Do you sometimes doubt if you're truly hearing God's voice or if it's really your own? And how do you know the difference? Do you ever struggle to feel confident in your relationship with God and what He says in His Word? Do you sometimes feel stagnant or like maybe you hit a wall in your spiritual life? Hey, I'm your host, Rachel Grohl, missionary, author, pastor, and life coach. And I have been there. I too was doubting God's voice in my own life. I felt insecure about my relationship with Him, and I wanted to be obedient to what God was calling me to do, but I wasn't quite sure how to figure out what that was. I felt like I was wasting time trying to figure it out, and I just wanted a way to understand His will for my life. The answer for me was found in the pages of the scriptures, as I learned how to understand what they were actually saying. If you're ready to grow in your faith and to step confidently into the calling God has for you, then join me as we dig deep into God's Word so that you can learn to live out your faith in your everyday life. Hey everyone, welcome back to the Hearing Jesus Podcast. I'm your host, Rachel Grohl. Today we are walking through Psalm 109. We are continuing our devotional reading through the Psalms, not to replace your Bible reading, but to help supplement And the reason why we chose the Psalms, if you're just joining us, is because the Psalms are the hymn book and the prayer book of Jesus. In fact, Jesus and the disciples quoted the book of Psalms more than any other Old Testament book. And in our quest to hear God's voice more clearly, I thought it was really important for us to lean into the things that we knew that were in Jesus's heart. And so as we go through the Psalms, I'm bringing a little bit of the history and the culture and the background to just help you understand it a little bit better. If you would like to dive a little bit deeper, every Monday I send out a newsletter and in each newsletter is a journaling prompt to go with each one of these Psalms. The reason why I do that is I find that journaling is a really easy way to get the information from our heads into our hearts. It helps us process what we're learning. If you would like the previous episodes, now the newsletter is free that comes every Monday, but if you would like the journaling prompts from the previous episodes, I have those available on the website. It's shehears.org. Go to the resources section and you'll see there's book one and book two of the Psalms. What we have done is we've made a guided journal. And in that journal, you have each day a link to the audio devotional, the key phrase or the key Bible verse from that episode, and then the journaling prompt, as well as space to actually journal right there in the book. You could either do that online, you could do it on like an iPad or a similar device, or you can download that and you can print that out and write on it, whatever way works best for you. And again, just an additional resource to help you dig a little bit deeper. So today we're going to be in Psalm 109, and we're going to be reading this to you from the New Living Translation. O God, whom I praise, 
Don't stand silent and aloof while the wicked slander me and tell lies about me. They surround me with hateful words and fight against me for no reason. I love them, but they try to destroy me with accusations. Even as I am praying for them, they repay evil for good and hatred for my love. They say, get an evil person to turn against him. Send an accuser to bring him to trial. When his case comes up for judgment, let him be pronounced guilty. Count his prayers as sins. Let his years be few. Let someone else take his position. May his children become fatherless and his wife a widow. May his children wander as beggars and be driven from their ruined homes. May creditors seize his entire estate and strangers take all he has earned. Let no one be kind to him. Let no one pity the fatherless children. May his all his offspring die. May his family name be blotted out in the next generation. May the Lord never forget the sins of his fathers. May his mother's sins never be erased from the record. May the Lord always remember these sins and may his name disappear from human memory. For he refused all kindness to others. He persecuted the poor and needy, and he hounded the brokenhearted to death. He loved to curse others. Now you curse him. He never blessed others. Now don't you bless him. Cursing is as natural to him as his clothing or the water he drinks or the rich food he eats. Now may his curses return and cling to him like clothing. May they be tied around him like a belt. May those curses become the Lord's punishment for my accusers who speak evil of me. But dwell, but deal well with me, O sovereign Lord, for the sake of your own reputation. Rescue me because you are so faithful and good. For I am needy and poor and my heart is full of pain. I am fading like a shadow at dusk. I am brushed off like a locust. My knees are weak from fasting and I am skin and bones. I am a joke to people everywhere. When they see me, they shake their heads in scorn. Help me, O Lord, my God, save me because of your unfailing love. Let them see that this is your doing, that you yourself have done it, Lord. Then let them curse me if they like, but you will bless me. When they attack me, they will be disgraced, but I, your servant, will go right on rejoicing. May my accusers be clothed with disgrace. May their humiliation cover them like a cloak. But I will give repeated thanks to the Lord, praising him to everyone, for he stands beside the needy, ready to save them from those who condemn them. Wow, that's a pretty heavy psalm. I think sometimes we forget that the emotions that we see in the psalms are very real human emotions. And we can see pictures of every single emotion pretty much in the psalms. But here what we're reading through Psalm 109 is this individual lament. And what I love about the psalms, what the lament psalms do is they almost give us this permission to pour our hearts out to God, even when we're upset, even when we're angry, even when we are going through serious seasons that just don't seem to make sense with us. Now in this lament Psalm, it uses a lot of court languages. And one of the things that we recognize as the scholarship looks at this Psalm is that it was motivated, obviously, by false accusations that were directed at the speaker, at the psalmist. And the psalmist's enemy is cruel and calculating. And the psalmist describes himself as weak and without the resources to protect himself. And so what we see is him calling on God to save him. And he also goes a step further, asking for a series of curses to be against his enemy. Now, one of the things I want to point out is, and I've said this before, is sometimes when we read the Psalms, we have to recognize that not it's not necessarily that we are to emulate the behavior of the people in the Psalms. Sometimes we see people that are acting 
not in accordance with God's perfect plan or righteousness or perfect will. But what we do see in the Psalms is the humanity. And what we always want to do is we want to chase the character and the nature of God, not necessarily the character and the nature of the psalmist or whoever's doing the speaking or whoever the character is. And we see that throughout the Old Testament that we we understand that God continues to use imperfect people. And what we see in this Psalm, of course, is this picture of this very real human emotion. We see in verses one through five that the psalmist is a man of prayer. The psalmist is asking God to speak and not to be silent. And of course, I think that is the number one way that we are to deal with these issues. Like I said at the beginning of today's show, we don't want to hide these things from him. We don't want to hide those hard emotions from God because he knows. He knows what we're going through. He knows what's happening to us. He knows our thoughts. He knows our words. And so the best way to handle that, obviously, is to take those things to God. And so he is actually asking God to speak up about the situation and not to be silent in the face of these hateful words that are being directed at him and really these attacks of the enemy. He's talking about how he's offered them friendship, but the way that they've responded to that friendship is accusing him. And he has treated them really well, but their response to him treating them well is they're trying to hurt him. And so this language, again, fits with the courtroom language and the psalmist is accusing his enemies of these charges that they have falsely charged against him. In Verses 6 through 15, we see a little bit different of of a picture. The opening up of this psalm is talking about enemies in the plural form. But now the psalmist is directing his attention to an individual. And so maybe this person is the leader of a group of individuals. And if we're thinking about this in terms of courtroom language, the person that he could be referring to could be the judge or even the main person that is bringing the accusation against him. Either way, what we're seeing is the psalmist again is calling on God to not just speak up now, but to punish that person. And so the law calls for false witness to suffer the fate of the person that was falsely accused. And so the idea that lies behind this hope that God would raise up someone who would then accuse his enemy is what we're seeing here. So again, this plays into this idea of courtroom language. We're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we'll get into the rest of the psalm. Stay tuned. The psalmist then asks, he goes one step further, and this is where the cursing part happens. He's asking for the death of his enemy so that another person would replace him in his role of leadership. He's asking God to not only make his enemies suffer, but then also to make his children and his wife suffer. He wants nothing less than this whole family line to be blotted out. I don't know if you've ever been there, but I have. And I'm not proud to admit that, but I think it's a human emotion, especially when it's unjustified attacks. When you are doing what you think it is that God wants you to do and you are living and you're trying to pursue righteousness and there's a false accusation made against you, I don't care how big or how small it is, that hits you to the core. Like even now I can feel it in my stomach, just the pit of my stomach, the feeling that that happens when somebody has made a false accusation against you. I think most of us, if we've lived long enough, have experienced that. In 16 through 20, we see more of the cursing. And in these verses, 
the psalmist is justifying his appeal to God and he's asking God to curse his enemy who basically he's thinking would just be receiving what he had wished on him. And so he's not giving thoughts to helping anybody else. He's not giving thoughts on to why he should be blessed. And what we realize is the way that that individual is acting towards a psalmist is he's cursing him because cursing is second nature to him. And there are people like that, even in our culture, there are people that walk through this life, you know, that narcissistic temperament, that personality, that if you are not a hundred percent for them, you're a hundred percent against them. And they not only go on the defensive, but then they start attacking you with these uh, false accusations. I don't know if you've ever experienced that, but that is really, really common in a lot of dynamics of relationships, especially when there's a power and control issue. And so that's essentially what we're hearing about in the Psalm, what we're seeing. And so this individual that is falsely accusing the Psalmist it wasn't just this situation. This is what this section tells us. It wasn't just this situation, but this is the person's personality. This is their character. This is who they are. And it was an integral part of who he was. And so he says he's soaking into him like water into the body or oil into the bone. Not only was this an inward characteristic of his personality, but it was demonstrated in his public behavior. That's intense. It's an intense situation to go through. And then in verses 21 through 29, we see this appeal, this help me, Lord. And so facing this evil situation, the psalmist is calling on God to help him out and to deliver him. And he has no financial resources to deal with these attacks of the accuser. He says, I am poor and I am needy. And so he's talking about how fragile his situation is. And he's comparing himself to a shadow that disappears once the sun sets. Or he talks about how the locusts can can shake them off. He's talking about this kind of suffering that is not just spiritual, but psychological and also physical. He talks about his body being thin and gaunt and that people look at him with disgust. If you've ever gone through those kinds of situations, you feel them in your body. You usually, you can't eat. You just get sick over it. I think of people that maybe have lawsuits against them, that there are falsely accused of things. I know that that happens in businesses a lot of times. That's kind of the situation that's happening here. And so he's asking God to help him for his own reputation and also for God's reputation because God has a reputation of being one who defends the defenseless. And so that's what the psalmist is appealing to. Like, God, you are the one that defends the defenseless. I'm asking you to speak up on my behalf because you are a God of justice. And so because he knows of God's unfailing love, that word has said that we've been talking about that unfailing love that is also representative of loyalty and mercy. He's, he's talking about that as he's reminding God about the promises of the covenant. And again, the psalmist is calling down this essential curse on his enemies, asking that God would, would really come down and work on his behalf. And so as we understand with most lament Psalms, there is this whole situation, this scenario where he is pouring out his heart to God. But at the end, he ends on a confident note. And and the reason for this is because he's believing that God does stand with the needy and he will intervene on his behalf and he will work against those that are falsely accusing him. And so that realization motivates him to worship God. 
The psalmist opens and closes with praise. We see that in verse one and we see that in verse 30. And though, even though the body of the psalm all the way in between is clearly a lament, a complaint in the middle of this personal crisis. And again, the speaker's friends or whoever that individual is, was falsely accusing him. And he makes this appeal to God to save him and to bring judgment on his enemies. And even if the original setting of the psalm was a courtroom, it also shows us that this is a situation that happens. It's common to humanity. And so the model there is, is of course, maybe we're not calling down curses on the people that are coming against us, but we are starting and we are ending with prayer. I think even that reminder that when we face these situations, starting and ending with prayer is is really the best way to get through them. Jesus found himself betrayed by Judas, if you think about this in terms of the New Testament. And what does Jesus do? I mean, he knew he was going to be betrayed in the first place, but yet he extended friendship and love to Judas. And how did Judas repay him? deceit. He turned him over to the authorities, the ones that killed him. And so Peter talks about this in, in this verse eight of our Psalm, where he's saying, you may another take his place of leadership. He, Peter talks about that in the context of when they're choosing Matthias as a replacement for Judas among the 12 disciples. You can read about that in Acts chapter one. And so Judas fits this description of the enemy that we're talking about here in this Psalm. And he suffered a punishment that the psalmist is calling out for for this person. If you think about this in terms of what ended up happening to Judas, with the payment that he received for his wickedness, Judas bought a field. And then what happened to him? He fell, his body burst open, and all of his intestines spilled out. You can read that again, Acts chapter 1. And so while we don't necessarily know the outcome, what we can trust is that God does. What we can trust is that God is a God that works on our behalf, even when those that are speaking against us seem more powerful or have more money or have more, you know, clout or whatever it is, have more position. We serve a God that sees all of that. And so given that insight, I want to reread Psalm 109. Again, starting in verse one. O God, whom I praise, don't stand silent and aloof while the wicked slander me and tell lies about me. They surround me with hateful words and fight against me for no reason. I love them, but they try to destroy me with accusations, even as I am praying for them. They repay evil for good and hatred for my love. They say, get an evil person to turn against him. Send an accuser to bring him to trial. When his case comes up for judgment, let him be pronounced guilty. Count his prayers as sins. Let his years be few. Let someone else take his position. May his children become fatherless and his wife a widow. May his children wander as beggars and be driven from their ruined homes. May creditors seize his entire estate and strangers take all he has earned. Let no one be kind to him. Let no one pity his fatherless children. May all his offspring die. May his family name be blotted out in the next generation. May the Lord never forget the sins of his fathers. May his mother's sins never be erased from the record. May the Lord always remember these sins and may his name disappear from human memory. For he refused all kindness to others. He persecuted the poor and needy and he hounded the brokenhearted to death. He loved to curse others. Now you curse him. 
He never blessed others. Now don't you bless him. Cursing is as natural to him as his clothing or the water he drinks or the rich food he eats. Now may his curses return and cling to him like clothing. May they be tied around him like a belt. May those curses become the Lord's punishment for my accusers who speak evil of me. But deal well with me, O sovereign Lord, for the sake of your own reputation. Rescue me because you are so faithful and good. For I am poor and needy and my heart is full of pain. I am fading like like a shadow at dusk. I am brushed off like a locust. My knees are weak from fasting and I am skin and bones. I am a joke to people everywhere. When they see me, they shake their heads in scorn. Help me, O Lord, my God, save me because of your unfailing love. Let them see that this is your doing, that you yourself have done it, Lord. Then let them curse me if they like, but you will bless me. When they attack me, they will be disgraced, but I, your servant, will go right on rejoicing. May my accusers be clothed with disgrace. May their humiliation cover them like a cloak. But I will give repeated thanks to the Lord, praising him to everyone, for he stands beside the needy, ready to save them from those who condemn them. Father God, we come before you today, perhaps in a heavy heart where we can think through whether or not we're going through it right now or seasons in our lives we've gone through this in the past where we're thinking through this idea of being falsely accused. But even more so than that, God, help us to recognize that in the moments where we have these heavy, hard feelings, even if we don't recognize how you're working this situation, but we're stuck with this emotion around our situation. God, help us to turn that emotion over to you. Help us to come to you first and last. Help us to lay those things at your feet, God, because we know that you are big enough and strong enough and close enough to handle even the hard emotions that we experience when we go through this life. The truth is, as we know, we were not created for this broken world, and yet we are still here dealing with it. So Lord, I pray for my friend today that may be going through a difficult emotion, a different difficult time. I pray that you would draw them to yourself, Lord God, that they would turn to you, that in the midst of their pain, they would recognize that you are there, that you love them, and you have a plan for their life. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Hey friends, are you needing a couple more resources? I want to let you know that in addition to the resources I mentioned today on the show, I have a whole section of my website called the resources page. There is a free download for a seven day devotional. There are lots of Bibles, journaling Bibles, note taking Bibles. There's my Bible study, She Hears, which is a Bible study about Jesus and the book of John and six women that he interacts with. He encourages, he calls, he equips. And then in that Bible study, I teach teach the color method. And the color method is designed for you to be able to take that method and use it on any passage of scripture. So I encourage you to check that out if you're finding that you need some additional resources to dig a little bit deeper. I pray those are a blessing for you. I want to take just a second to thank the team at Life Audio for their partnership with us on the podcast. If you go to lifeaudio.com, you'll find dozens of other faith-centered podcasts in their network. They've got shows about prayer, Bible study, parenting, and more. Hey friends, if this podcast helped encourage, empower, or equip you for God's call in your life, I would love it if you would head over to Apple Podcasts and leave me a review. That's the number one way you can support my show. You can also join our free Facebook community or Instagram page where I share inspirational tips, resources, and prayer throughout the week. Hey, I want you to know I'm praying for you this week. Know that you are loved, you are cherished, and you are His.